Hi, I'm Breck. And I'm Sally. And we're two friends that wondered why it was so hard to make friends as we got older. Join us each week on Bask in Friendship as we explore friendship themes and tips on forging better bonds. We believe female friendships are going to save the world. Welcome to episode 13 of Bask in Friendship. We're glad you're listening here today. It's a very important one. Yeah, I love that when we queued this topic up, we were like, wait, is that really a friendship or a friendship adjacent topic? But as we dug in and as our guest deeply knows, it is totally a friendship topic. It is. I mean, should we just go ahead and dive right into it? Yeah, yeah. Today is actually all about you, you the listener, you as an individual and how you show up in friendship. By talking about you, we are also talking about how you show up to the people in your lives. Every relationship is a two-way street. I think we hear that a lot. We say that a lot. We remind ourselves of that a lot. Relationships exist in that space between two people and friendship. I think it's no different. For sure. I also love how friends can also be a reflection or depth into more of who you really are. Uh, So Sally, I'm curious, have you ever had a friend teach you more about you just by them showing up as their whole self? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I once had a friend get exasperated with me because I was intensely showing up to our friendship. I was just like all in in the same way that I was like all in at work and all in at the gym and all in in my romantic relationship. And our friendship became long distance. I had moved. So what that meant was being all in with her. I was sending her cards and packages, regular texts, asking to call and check in like on the reg, man, I really missed her. But eventually she was like, I can't keep up. I can't be friends with you in this way. I hadn't even realized that I was doing something that made her uncomfortable or pointed out maybe her own inadequacies or what she perceived as inadequacies. We didn't really have a deeper conversation beyond that. I I was just doing what I thought was right. No mind to her. What a wake-up call, though, when I realized that my actions do have consequences, that two-way street thing. Um, And for months afterwards, I really wish we could have talked about it. But, you know, young friends, what about you, Breck? So I love that you shared this because it reminds me of a moving story with one of my dearest friends when we moved away from San Francisco. And I had historically been pretty flippant when I moved. I'm like, all right, see ya see you when I see you. Um, And I just thought there was always like friends around the bend, right? Like again, really young, infinite amount of friendships. And, and she took me to the side and was like, what's the plan? What are we going to do? And I, I was a little taken aback. I was like, like, what do you mean? You know, it's casual. Like I'm moving like the end. She's like, no, you're important to me. Like you this is important to me. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to FaceTime weekly? Are we going to talk about it every month? Like how many texts is too many texts? And so um, I guess maybe Sally in a lot of ways, she was more like you, she's the good communicator. And I was like the passive, the passive friend, but her showing up and being so intentional about friendship really was an aha for me that it is a two-way street. It is my effort too. It is my, my like being intentional because this is a relationship that matters. It's not like another one that's going to like, I'm going to find down the road. And I think that was a great, a great lesson for me on how to be a better friend by her being a great friend. 
Yeah. It also makes you wonder like what else had happened in her life that allowed her to show up in that way? Like what had she observed or learned or um, experienced such that she showed up one way and you showed up another way. Again, similar to me, I showed up one way, a friend shows up another way. Well, I think we've got a great expert here today that can help us dig into that. We're super excited about Leah Aguirre. Leah is a social worker and therapist and has some just terrific advice about how to show up as yourself in a friendship. Leah, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great we're, to we're, we're so glad you're here. Um, please tell us how you became a social worker and a therapist and a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, um, so both of my parents are actually... I feel like I show this a lot, but it's a big part in what I do is both my parents are social workers. My uh, mom's a therapist. So they both uh, got their master's in social work and are both licensed. My mom does still does psychotherapy and my dad did administration. So he did more like, like macro level social work. Um, so I grew up with two social workers and I actually never thought I would pursue, pursue that field, but um I actually, so then I studied psychology and wanted to actually go to the marriage and family. It's like a really boring route, but essentially I was like, I want to do the marriage and family therapy route because I felt that that was like more psychology. Um, and my parents were very persuasive about social work and just kind of how expansive that field is and how I could do therapy, have that psychology, mental health piece, and also do other things. And there were just more opportunities there. So that's how I got into the field. And I'm really grateful that I did because it gives me a lens um, that I think is very specific to this, this degree of just like the systemic issues, like cultural issues that play into an individual. So it really, I think is super relevant to therapy and what I do regularly with individuals in direct practice is seeing the bigger like systems, like where they came from, their cultural background, their family background, um, their socioeconomic, all that stuff. So that was, um, that's how I got into the social work field. Then I got licensed. You have to like put in a few years, um, and get hours. I got licensed. So I've been doing there, uh, been practicing psychotherapy for gosh, like seven years now. Um, and licensed for almost five. So, um, been a while in this field and I love it. I work a lot with individuals who experience trauma or complex trauma. Um, and then a lot of my work right now is working with, sorry, that's Lucy's um, dog chain. And my dog is in here and I can't get her away from me. So she shows up in all the podcasts, but um, anyways, I, uh, yeah, so it really, it just was one of those things where it, it kind of evolved and now I'm doing the, the trauma work and then I started getting into healthy relationships and then that kind of, um, and dating, um, based on my own experiences dating. And then that evolved into like showing up as yourself, like putting yourself first, learning to have self-worth and self-compassion. And I find that that's really big for dating, but yeah, definitely friendships and just even in the work that you do regularly, how you show up every day. Thank you for sharing. That's like quite, quite the journey. Like it all makes sense, but it is quite the evolution. Yeah. yeah. Through going through all this training and like, as you're, you're going from like a more larger system, like training mm -hmm. to now like working on individuals, has that informed mm -hmm. how you are a friend and how you show up in your relationships too? Like, has it been also I, a personal evolution? I think so. I mean, I think I was actually just talking about this with a close friend last night is that as a therapist and social worker, we have, we're super like, there's this, I don't know 
it's, it's more in this field. It's called like this trauma informed lens, like where you are aware that other people come into relationships in this world with different experiences. And a lot of us have experienced trauma, um, you know, and it's a continuum. So some like bigger traumas are more, I guess, severe traumas than others, but just knowing everyone that walks into the room has their own history and experiences. So I think in friendships, I've definitely learned to become aware of that or more sensitive to that. And then, um, and I, I mean, I think, yeah. So I think as, as a therapist, I, I do that. And then also within my friendships and my relationships, I'm really aware and sensitive to those, those things, because I think a lot of people don't really, I mean, we're very egocentric. We're very, I mean, like in a, we, right. We, we come into a, any relationship with our own perspective and to have this kind of lens of like, okay, like my perspective is different than yours. And what I went through is probably very different than what you went through. And that doesn't mean anyone's better or right or different, like, or I mean, different. Yes. But I, it's not, it doesn't make one person's experiences more significant than the, than the others, but I think it gives like insight into behavior or how someone communicates or how someone like their love language, like, you know, someone's like a gift giver, like every birthday, there's an extravagant gift. Other person, other people aren't into that, but I think their cultural background and how they grew up definitely plays into that. Yeah. There is so much to a person. So it's funny because you're thinking of people more not to be too reductive people are a little bit it's a little bit of a puzzle right it's like how many different pieces is this person comprised of instead of just coming in with what is my place and how does it affect me totally so with that like I think a big part of it is being authentic right like and do you have any opinion on like what it means to be authentic because I think for someone to show up with their whole self like everything you talked about all these pieces they have to be kind of brave to be able to just be that for other people. Yeah. That's, I haven't like created my own definition of it, but I think it's just showing up as showing up as exactly who you are, like both your like strengths and things that you're proud of. And also those things that I don't want to say weaknesses, but like, you know, areas for areas for growth or flaws, like things that your quirks and like, knowing that that is who you are. It doesn't make you good or bad, but it's just part of your identity. It's just, I don't know if that makes sense. So just like the idea of you're showing up with as your whole self and embracing, I mean, and you don't have to embrace it being like, this is something I love about myself, but just like being true to that. Um, and not, you know, cause nobody's perfect. And I think in my own experiences and I briefly, um, I shared this with Sally briefly before we, we talked about doing this podcast, but I really had no problem being authentic myself, um, until college when I joined a sorority and that kind of went out the window. Um, it was, and I, and I don't want to like shoot down the whole Greek system. Cause I know people find meaningful friendships and sisterhood. And there's like, people have really positive experiences. That's not my intention, but there is the element of perfectionism and this kind of mask that you put on and an us versus them, um, a, a need to belong. And I felt like I lost my sense of authenticity during that time. So I had a bunch of friends. I did have fun. It wasn't like I had a miserable time, but I feel like I wasn't my authentic self. I wasn't, I was, I became more insecure and more aware of what may be different, you know, what, what, <laughs> 
I think too, like as someone who's biracial, like I definitely wasn't fit this mold of like, you know, a lot of the sorority girls and also just in general, my values were different than a lot of theirs. And I, again, I grew up with two social workers. So super progressive, like very like not hippie, but like hippie values. And so it was just one of those things where I didn't quiet down completely. Like I didn't tone down my voice, but I did, I did as well. And so I think, um, I wasn't able to be authentic and just show up as like myself all the time. Didn't feel that was safe. Like I felt like there could be judgment. Like if I wanted to go home early, I'm not a night owl. And in college, you're expected to be this like night owl. Like you get, you know, you get, people get upset or like they give you shit for it. And so it's one of those things where um, I felt like I, I was authentic all the way into high school. I had a good group of friends. Um, of course, I was insecure at, at some points, but who I was with my friends and family was very authentic. College was really rough. And so coming out of that, I had to like kind of like ground myself again, like kind of figure out what that person was because I had lost it. I would say, because I was trying to like fit this mold for a really long time. And those friends and speaking of friendships, those friendships didn't really last or sustain because they weren't based on my authentic self. Right. Like I felt like they were all still kind of, I mean, and again, they're great people, but our values definitely differed in a lot of ways. And I couldn't really connect with them as much as, and especially then going through grad school and you're doing this work with, um, pretty disenfranchised people and you're learning like what's really important and you're really like coming into your own, like, cause you're still, a, your brain stop, doesn't stop developing till you're 25. So it's one of those things where I'm like figuring things out and I'm putting the pieces together in my own mind of like what it means to be happy and what it means to have meaningful relationships and what's important to me. And then those friendships quickly went to the wayside and I, I started making more solid friendships actually in graduate school. And you mentioned like, um, like this is just such an interesting kind of um, personal story within the context of our conversation today, but you, you mentioned getting grounded, like after college and sort of being like, wait, what just happened? And I need to like ground myself. Like, what did that look like for you? Like, did you try new things? Did you re recall what you did in high school that brought you joy? Did you put, position yourself around those shared interests, maybe with grad school friends and classes? Like, how, what was the process to find your most authentic self? I think it really was actually the people I met that were you, you two mentioned people bringing out your authentic, like just that, that part of you or the, like how relationships do do that. And I think meeting very like-minded people, not like we're all like my, my closest grad school friends, we're all different in our own ways. We have very different personalities in a lot of ways, but very similar values. Like, and I think we just kind of gravitated towards each other. I met one of my closest friends, um, like the first day of orientation. It's just weird how that works. We like sat next to each other and we were like, and we're very different, but we just like clicked and we like then would see each other in classes and we just slowly became closer and closer and met other people. And so there was like this four of us and we just like really just connected and it just felt really easy. We could be silly and we studied together. But I think what kind of brought me back was knowing I could like, be myself. Like I could be my anxious self in front of them with no judgment. We're all in this field. Cause we, especially us, we, um, the, the four of us did this mental health stipend program. So our focus was on mental health. So I think too, like coming into it with anxiety and a history of anxiety and people not judging me for it and having a lot of just patience and compassion, not that nobody did prior, but they didn't feel like safe people, I guess. And so these people were just like, you know, like, that's her like, and, and also like supportive through that. They didn't just like, let me crumble or anything, but like the idea of there was no judgment with that. So I really do think connecting with them helped because at the same time, 
I was still um, in this kind of sorority Greek life mindset. And then as I spent more time with them, I was like realizing I don't have to go out all the time. Like, I mean, some of them would go out, like they would still party. And I'm like, no, I don't have to do that. Like, and it felt like I felt very accepted. So I think a lot of it was the shared values, being able to have these like deeper conversations in grad school, you learn about a lot of, especially social work, you talk about a lot of really heavy things and um, you are also doing a lot that that's the experience we call this like, um, what's it called? Vicarious trauma. So like you'll work with a lot of people, especially in mental health and you see a lot and you take on a lot and they all were kind of in similar realms. We did different work within our internships, but the fact that I think we could talk about it openly and have these really deep conversations, but also be really silly. Like we went, I mean, soup plantations, no longer a thing, but we went to, are you familiar with soup plantation? No. Oh, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a, it's a South. Okay. So it's a West coast thing. I think it's a, essentially what it was is a really affordable. Um, what's, uh, what is it called when you all you can eat buffet, a buffet, but like healthier. <laughs> so they have like this huge salad bar. Anyways, we went there for like four hours and ate there and studied there. And it was just like one of those things where like you, I mean, not everyone could do that. And in the sorority, like it wouldn't be like really, it was kind of faux pas for people to like eat like for four hours. <laughs> I mean, not like that, it, but you know, like you just don't plan that. So just something like that, just having these like really very meaningful, but like fun experiences really brought that out of me. I think that was a long-winded answer, but that would, I, that was, that was really my experience. I think it was the friendships and then being in this field that really was in line with my values and doing work that really brought out, like, this is what matters, right? Yeah. No, it's a great answer. Long-winded is good. Cause it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, I think I'm veering a little off topic, but I think you brought up a really good point that I don't know that we've been able to address in other ways, which is that point of group think. And it's sometimes like when people identify strongly with <clears throat> a certain group, you know, I don't know if you're finding this personally or as all, if you also have like some professional lens to this, but in order to make the group work, usually people have to lessen the individual. Yep. And that seems like sort of a tricky thing. And I'm, there's so many more groups than just stories, right? Like there's like political affiliations or like family groups or all these like spiritual, like, right, your communities. Yeah. yeah, name your subgroup. Do you find, like, that, that like, is there a healthy balance in, in identifying in groups versus losing yourself to groups? Or have you found any themes in that? Or is there anything you want to, like, think, expand on with that? that yeah, group? I mean, I think, and we don't have to go into, like, this whole, like, the last few years, because it's not about politics, but just, like, very polarized, right? Like, it's, I think a lot of group thing is fear-based. And I think a lot of the sorority, if we're just talking, just that is using that as an example is very like, it's, it's a very, being 18 and then going from like home to this, like, you know, you go from this little, little pond to this huge ocean. And like, you just want to have like some sort of family, like safety net. I think it's a lot of fear-based sometimes where people gravitate towards those group things. I think it's like, and Brene Brown actually talks a lot about this. This is why I always like mention people, they're like, trying to explore their authenticity and vulnerability and like being more open to that is she's like just wonderful because she talks about kind of the need to belong. So I think a lot of it's like based on like fear and um, I don't think it's like people go into it like to be, I, I really think it really is to have community and feel like you have your tribe. 
like it's like a safety thing. That's kind of my take on it. Um, and I don't always think it's negative because like, of course, then I had like my little pod in grad school. But for that, I felt like we are, were very open to have our own individual thoughts. We shared a lot of core values, but we had a lot of disagreements. Like I just remember a lot of projects too with, with one of them who's like one of my closest friends, but like, we just didn't agree. Right. But like, we weren't, we didn't fear speaking up and in the sorority, I didn't, I didn't necessarily fear speaking up. It was more just though. Yeah. Like you to, to have to feel safe and to be like, okay, I need to keep this as my tribe, which I don't think I was consciously thinking. You just don't speak up as much. Right. You don't like, and I don't, I just have a memory of, um, hazing of a fraternity during my, um, pledge pledging. And I remember the hazing was just horrific. It was normal. That's the part. It was like super normal for the Greek life, but it was horrific to me. And I remember I was like the only one who was like, this doesn't look great. Like this guy looks like he's struggling and quieting up. And then like, eventually I think I left early. Cause I was like, I can't, can't be part of this. And then even I remember having a conversation, I think with like maybe a high school friend or someone about that and being like, I don't know if I can do this. Like this is, but then I did like, that's a part too. Cause I wanted like, cause I had also like then made friends there and felt like I was part of something. So it was like, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird push pull. Cause I feel like you want that like safety and that, like that community. And then you also though, you're like, you realize, okay, there's going to be a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with. So I think it depends on like the scale of it. And it depends on like what group we're talking about. Um, Cause even like political, political groups, I find both parties, like they, they're on very extreme sides. Like I feel like you, there's no room for, for opposition and that kind of sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And to move like in these great group examples, like down to the narrow, like friendship, um, because I think there's kind of lessons from the group that can be applied to friendship as well. So, you know, as you found your authentic self and as our listeners find their authentic selves and they still don't feel like they have a hundred percent safety in a friendship, like my friend is still not quite allowing me to be me, or I just don't feel safe or there's judgment or it's just a little bit of friction, but I think there's something here and I want to continue to build a friendship. How, how can I handle that? So separate from the group piece, but more isolated to the individual relationship. How do, how do I handle that judgment? It's so interesting. Cause at first when you said it and you're like, but I still find something there. Cause at first I'm like, cut off with that. Like, I think as adults, we can be more, um, intentional with our friendships. And I, I don't feel like you cut people. I don't feel like cut them off, but it's like, I think if you're working so hard, like you've, met, you've mentioned the two way street, I don't think it's worth, like, if it feels just one way, I think sometimes I, I ask people like check in with yourself. Like, does this feel good to be like completely one-sided? And, um, I think you could, uh, you could first approach it by like having like just a genuine conversation of like, this feels like I'm always putting in more effort. I'm doing all the work and, you know, carrying all the weight and just asking them if they, if they've noticed that you, you could have those conversations. And then I think their response to that is very telling. So if they're open that's very telling. And there's like, with any relationship to be more romantic, then there's willing, if there's a willingness to change or, or shift, then I think there's like room for growth and, and repair. But I think 
if there's like resistance or someone's dismissive, then I would say, okay, this is like that friendship had its season. And I think you're always allowed to make the decision that they're not for you. I've actually had a couple of friends in the last couple of years that it just, I was realizing I was, I was kind of giving, I felt like I was a therapist a lot of the time for both. Um, which happens, but like also all my therapists are all my friends, all my therapists, all my friends are therapists or in the field in some capacity. So, so like the, my close ones now, so it's very balanced, but in um, a couple of those, I felt like I was, it was just like, I was called in crisis. I was called to vent and like, it wasn't like on purposeful, but like it never changed. And it was and they were willing to hear me, but it just felt so much work. And like, I was being, I was almost like a partner. Like it felt very much like I was, um, taking on all of that. So those friendships, I had to distance myself and one completely kind of, you know, um, end. but I think it's really about how re- receptive the person is. So I think it's one of those things where if you really feel like, no, I do want to repair this. Like there must be miscommunication and there, pro- there could be totally. Um, then you talk it through. And if they're receptive, that's great. And I think in those cases, you have to be specific about what your concerns are. Like, I think a lot of people are caught up in their own worlds right now, you know, in your, I don't know about the TV, like in your thirties, you're having your own families and you're starting your own like individual life. And so I think sometimes you do have to like tell this person, this is what's going on. Cause sometimes people are just so caught up and not purposefully just there they are. And so I think it's a matter of communicating that like, Hey, (laughs) this is what I'm noticing. And like, I feel like neglected, or I feel like you don't make any time for me. And, um, maybe that's not your intention, but that's how I feel. And then see how they respond. And if they are open to like working on it, great. And if not, then I think it's like, okay, like I'll take, you know, maybe this is this dynamics changing or shifting. And we only speak a couple of times a year, which we're still close, but it's a different type of friendship. Or then you're like, okay, like, not cut my losses, but like maybe this, this friendship played its, played itself out, you know? I don't know if that, yeah, I think it really depends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I was going to say, and and there may be just some friendships just have their roles, right? Like not a teacher. I always actually tell clients that I'm like, you know, this friend you might do the activities with, go hiking with, work out with. And this friend you might have more deep, meaningful conversations with. This person you might get advice from. Um, like as someone, as someone who's single, I don't go to a lot of my like longer term relationship friends because they have no clue what it's like to be in a relationship. And not that they ever intentionally are giving me bad advice, but it's like they cannot understand. So totally. So every relationship, friendship even has its has its role and has its own dynamic. And I think that's totally true. Like there's some people you call in a crisis or in a crisis, but you just call it a vent. Other people you wouldn't. And I definitely think that's, there's truth to that. And you could have friendships that are more fun and easygoing and you do trips together and <laughs> other friendships where you just sit on the couch and like watch movies all night. I think it's totally, that's t- totally accurate. And I talk to my friends a lot about that because I think sometimes we have these hopes for our friends that are maybe not unrealistic, but but maybe a little unrealistic given the person, right? And so it's like, how can we shift our expectation for that friendship, not that they don't care, but that maybe they're in the state in their own personal life. That's not really, I guess they can't give us what we need for whatever, whatever that, whatever that might be. 
I think that also totally applies for how you show up, right? Like you don't have to be the same version of that friend to everybody, right? And I think that has, I've definitely learned that lesson in the last few years for myself because I was putting just tremendous pressure on like show up, show up, show up in the exact same way because that is like the fullest way possible for me. But I think it just has taken time for me to realize, no, I could, I could be just pieces of this version of myself to all the right people in my life and in a way fulfilling what they need. And that's okay. Yeah. I think one of my, so my best friend from high school, it's funny because now she lives on the East coast and we like, when we talk, it's like nothing ever changed, but we don't talk regularly. I probably talk to her, connect with her like two, three times a year. And it, it's sad and that when you think about it, but then I'm like, but when we talk, it's like nothing changed and we just have completely different lives, completely different, um, like groups of friends and people in our lives. It's so, uh, it's like, it's one of those things where I think at first it was hard to adjust to, but then you're like, okay, like this is, this is what it is. It's not because either of us care for each other less. It's just kind of how it's evolved over time. And it can feel personal sometimes, right? Like I have a lot of um, clients, we talk about that, like it can feel personal when the friendships kind of drifting or like it's shifting or evolving, but it's oftentimes not, especially if people are forming families or moving and, you know, pursuing different, like just life transitions and, um, commitments. So it's definitely something that is, I don't know. I think it's different for every friendship. So coming back to the individual, do you have any like suggested like mantras or exercises or thoughts about how you can develop into like a more confident and like readily authentic individual? How do you show up? Um, yeah. Um, I think it's like multiple pieces. I think it is surrounding yourself with people you feel like you can just be yourself with, like, who are the people you don't feel like you have to put on a mask for? I think that's super helpful because if you continue to run, you know, in the same group where you feel like you have to quiet your voice or be a certain way or do certain things that aren't really in line with who you are, I think that just reinforces that you're not good enough. It has nothing to do with that. It's just the nature of the group and the nature of that community, whatever. Um, So I think definitely choosing who you spend time with is a huge thing. And then I think a lot of the things that I talk to people about is like really on, and I you know I mentioned this at the beginning, but honoring your values and what's important to you. So there, um, and there are a couple of books that you can kind of facilitate that. Um, one is the, uh, the happiness trap, and that's based on acceptance and commitment therapy, but you don't even have to get the book. But the idea is, is you take inventory of your values and what's important to you. And really kind of identify if you're incorporating those values into your life. And some of those values can be incorporated incorporated into your day-to-day life. Others are like, you can't do all the time. Like, you know, if like you're really into traveling, like, I mean, you can't do that every day, right? I mean, maybe, maybe you can if you have the means and it's part of your work. But anyways, um, so really just like taking inventory of your values. So like, I'll do this with a lot of clients and I've done this with myself is I realized sometimes too, when I was like working too hard, like a lot of times I'd get too involved in my work or even too involved in my relationships. When I was in my middle and late twenties, I would 
kind of have to check myself. And I'd realize like, for example, fitness is important to me and it really helps me manage my anxiety, manage my stress. I feel good. So it's like finding, okay, how can I incorporate fitness more regularly? If I'm not doing it at all during the week, then something needs to change. So it's like, and you can make small changes. So you don't have to like go, you know, run a marathon, but you can take 15 minutes, 20 minutes of like maybe three, four days a week to like do an online workout or even just go on a walk outside. So it's find it's taking inventory of your values and then finding ways to incorporate that. Um, because when we are really living life in line with our values, we are being authentic because we're honoring the things that are important to us. And sometimes we do quiet, quiet those things or like minimize those things for other people, whether it's friendships or work or relationships, it's, it's so important to keep continue honoring our values, even if other people don't agree with it. And I think too, when you do that, you'll be more confident in your values and you don't, you'll know not everyone needs to agree with them or that people need to like do those activities with you. Right. So if like fitness is your thing and your friend or partner are not into that or like into it as frequently, I mean, you, that's so important to you and it's still something that's part of you. And so if you honor that and continue to incorporate that into your own life, you'll feel more confident in that and not be like weirded out or like maybe like have those like thoughts or like just second guessing yourself of like, I'm, you know, I'm wrong or this isn't okay. I don't know if that makes sense. So the idea of just like incorporating your values, same thing with like, um, being out in nature, you know, I think during the pandemic, it was really hard for a lot of people. At first, we were all like in, living in fear, like under a rock, <laughs> not going outside. It's really weird because like I have a dog, so I take her outside. But even so, it was like, you don't spend too much time outside at first. But I talked to a lot of people, like if you can just even spend like 10 minutes outside, just like with your coffee, like if you have like even a patio, you don't need like a huge patio, but it just like go on your steps, like drink your coffee outside, like be in the fresh air, stuff like that can really make you feel happy and then in content and then just also authentic. Cause you're, you're doing the things that make you who you are and that are important to you. So can we reiterate that doing things that are good for you is not selfish? No. Yeah, absolutely not. Mm-mm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a way for you to like, just, I don't know, emerge more as who you are, like continuing to like not pursue, like in your example, like pursue the sorority or Greek life in the way that you think that you should just because it's there for you or the group is saying it's there for you, but instead to say like, no, actually, I really like these other things. So helpful. This has been just so insightful and I think really, really helpful. And I feel like the confidence is just like coming through the microphone, like helping us all just, you know, gain a little bit of that, like Leah courage and confidence. Um, thank you so much. And well, for, well to get here. So like, don't be, I mean, <laughs> it did, it does take work. And so I always tell people like it, I feel like the best I've felt like I honestly, my thirties have been the best. The twenties were like really rough. I think for a lot of people, but like, I think applying those things is what has made me more confident and like self-assured. So I definitely, I'm glad it comes off that way. Cause I definitely feel that way now, but this is not like this. I haven't been like this now. <laughs> Um, yeah, 30s are the best. Um, well, to our listeners, if you liked what you heard today and you liked getting deep with us, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and send us a note if you and a friend want to share your friendship story with a broader audience. A big thank you to Leah for sharing some of her friendship stories with us today. See you next time on Bask in Friendship. Bye.